Hello, and welcome to the Perspective Maintenance Podcast, where we approach topics from different perspectives to help us get unstuck so that we can be the best friend, child, parent, neighbor, and lover that we can be because a rising tide lifts all boats. I am your host, John Chow, and today we're going to talk about how we let our overthinking get us stuck. It is going to be the beginning of a new change for us as we shift from only doing solo episodes of myself to me inviting on guests to have a really great dialogue about and discussion about specific topics. And I know you're going to enjoy that so much. Before we get started, I wanted to highlight three different podcasts from my community that I really feel like you should check out because there's so much goodness in them. The first one is by Jen Moss. She hosts the Living Joyfully and Well podcast. And I think mindfulness is such a overused phrase these days, but she has such a good way of being able to break things down so that you can practically know how to have a life where it isn't just day to day, but there is that joyful living and there is that focus on your wellness. A lot of times I think we put ourselves in the back burner. So check out her podcast. Next, we have Marcy Hershey. Uh, Her podcast is The Unicorn Lens. That's Y-O-U-N-I-C-O-R-N Lens. And that's all about how special you are in so many ways and really understanding and cherishing that specificness about you that makes you who you are, because in all reality, you are a unicorn. Third, we have Dory Roberts Stewart. And her podcast is She Turned Entrepreneur. And you know me and my whole ethos of supporting female entrepreneurs. And I'm so excited at the fact that she's raising up the next generation of entrepreneurs of all ages, because in reality, entrepreneurship is what makes the world go round. So today's episode, we're going to talk about what causes overthinking, the difference between being insightful and overthinking, and how to reduce our overthinking. And so without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Heather Sue, and we're going to have an incredible conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Perspective Maintenance. Today, we're going to have a different kind of conversation where instead of me talking solo, uh, my really good friend, Heather here is joining us. And we're going to talk about how we let overthinking get us stuck. And this is, you have two big overthinkers here in this room. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Hi, how are you? Good. Yourself? Good. Really well. Cold. We got our first snow, so it's kind of cold, but I'm good. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes, I know. It's, I was chatting with a friend the other day about how, even though it's unpleasant, the, the ability to enjoy four actual seasons is something that is very different that I couldn't imagine giving up. Yeah. No, I, I love hate it. Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Speaking of love, hate, overthinking. I both love it and hate it. I've uh-huh. gotten so much you know, value in one sense from it, but also just it just ruined my life in other ways. Um, overthinking is, I think, something that happens quite often to a lot of people. And I just wanted to give the people who are listening some context of who you are. Heather, can you tell us a little bit about you, your profession mostly, so that people can understand what kind of a a guru we have sitting here with us? (laughs) You're so kind. So I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor and a master licensed alcohol and drug counselor. 
which mostly means I have a lot of school debt. <laughs> and it also means <laughs> I'm really supposed to be practicing what I preach. And I talk to people all day long about not overthinking, not overanalyzing and all the things, but I'm a human, not a robot. And there are times when I really get stuck in my own head, running around telling stories about what is or what is isn't. And I'm usually not correct when I make up the stories. Well, I mean, you just use the perfect saying or phrase, practice what you preach, because I think a lot of people don't quite understand that the people who do preach, the preachers on stage, they're only human as well. They're mm -hmm. likely struggling with a certain temptation or sin that the, the congregation is listening to. And mm -hmm. so one of my favorite things about you is how approachable you are. You don't seem like this holier than thou, let me assess you and tell you everything that's wrong with you kind of person. Getting just in conversation with you from the get-go is kind of like, oh, who's this really warm person that I found out to be this person that could psychoanalyze me to death, but, you know, and not feeling um, in any way uh, sh shameful, uh, which I think is so cool. For you with overthinking, when did it start? Like, when did you start first realizing that you were an overthinker? I think I was fortunate in that it didn't start until my early 20s. Hmm. Growing up in, in school, in high school, I just, I didn't care. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care. That's probably good. I didn't have social media because I wouldn't have cared how many likes I had or followers. Uh, and I just, I think it was sort of, okay, I'm at this next place in my life and I'm not sure who I am or who I'm supposed to be. And I started to, to doubt and wonder and take comments from others super personally, oh. whether it was constructive or not. And, and, and I think I grew up being a, a people pleaser to keep the peace in a lot of situations and mm. doing that as an adult, it felt like, well, how come my boss didn't give me all tens on my review? Don't they oh, like me? You know, things like yeah. that. It's yeah. so interesting for those who don't know, Heather has a ton of brothers and all grew up in a way that I think she was very comfortable in her own skin. So it actually brings me a lot of comfort knowing that I grew up very, very insecure, opposite as you, but we both ended up being overthinkers. <laughs> I remember yeah. growing up in a school where I had to wear a uniform. The worst day of the month was casual day because I had to actually show up in some kind of stylish apparel, which I didn't obviously wear because my life was in uniform. And I would overthink about what to wear in one sense. And thankfully, I had an older brother who didn't let me touch his closet, but I snuck myself in there once or twice. Actually, I think one of my very first times where I felt really out of place was I grew up as a chubbier child. And so at least a little bit chubbier than my brother. So we've actually switched places a little bit. And but when I was growing up, he would have this really cool t-shirt collection. Mm. And so on a casual day, I remember sneaking into his room, remembering what place on the stack that t-shirt was. I took it, I wore it for the day and I put it back. And my brother, and I was kind of like, I thought I had uh, one. Um, <laughs> and be like, I, you know, I, I, I really took, you know, snuck in under his nose. And then a couple of days later, he's kind of like, John, did you wear my shirt? I'm like, what shirt? And then he's like, you know, this one. And he's like, he said that, I stretched it because I guess I was chubbier. And so, uh, but then, you know, I think the overthinking really came in a lot of different ways for me after that. It was both, you know, how I looked to other people. It was what are the consequences of me doing different things, just overthinking in all different kinds of ways. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and I think for, on my side, it was around trying to make things make sense. So if I had some idea of exactly why something was happening or not happening, I could, and, and our brains do that. I know that now I didn't know it when I was really doing it at its worst, mm. but I know that now our brains try to make sense of things so that we know we're okay. It's that old oh. survival brain. So if I look at you and you look like you're angry and, and I do all the things to make sure you don't get more angry, but it might just be that you have something in your eye, right? Sure. I've gone on this whole storytelling. He's probably angry at me and I need to do something to calm him down and make him like me. And, and yeah, it usually doesn't oh work goodness. out. So good. That's radical. I never thought about that way before. So is it like some kind of a defensive mechanism almost? Mm, protective it is protective oh wow yeah. okay so this yeah. is really embarrassing I had this one so that one year I worked as a corporate recruiter at one of the big four engine uh, accounting firms um there was another kind of I guess en- entry person that was there and she got a job because one of her I think her uncles was really high up in the company and she was just this like gorgeous like young lady or woman and we were getting along very very well in a very strange way and I think partly because I just was kind of like oh we're just going to be friends she's like way out of my league or whatever it is but because we got really really close at one point I was like really stressed out I was overthinking about all the different ways why I could never ask her out and why it wouldn't work out and I think I was maybe doing all of that to protect myself from heartbreak or whatever that might be and that makes so much sense that overthinking is a it's a component of all of that yeah yeah and the storytelling added to it is sort of again like a being a Columbo coming up with if I know what the next bit of information is so and again it usually isn't isn't a helpful story hmm but if we know that it's not helpful, why do we do it? I know for me, it, it seemed like it was a task. So if I had something tangible to do, I felt like I was in control. And also I could kind of have make up the out, make the outcome be better or, or yes. kind of like pick your own ending books. Totally. Like the ending of this scenario. So when my boss gave me a bad review, I could say in my mind, oh, they, they don't like me in that. And, and you, then you hear all the messages of any other negative thought that ever someone gave towards you, like a mm. ghost, a bunch of ghosts come in the room. And I use this a lot with clients, like all those bad experiences show up at the same time from that one. So yeah. learning how to, learning how to ask the question to myself, is this really this, or is it just looks like that thing over there that already happened to me before? Wow. That's so key. And you brought up a really key word that means a lot to me in my understanding of what we're thinking, which was the word control. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a lot of ways being taught by my parents exactly how to speak and conduct myself in our community. And it gave me a lot of favor in the eyes of other people. But when then I went out into the world, I wasn't able to understand how the rules of the game worked. And so I would overthink to try to gain approval or um or, or favor in the eyes of other people. And it was really only later on in my life that I, I connected how much of that was also connected to manipulation mm-hmm. and how, uh, how negative that or toxic that behavior really is. 
mm. when it comes to my overthinking that way. Yeah. Do you think, though, coming from one culture into another, you had another layer of, of protecting yourself that you needed to do? Oh, 100%. I mean, from not knowing how to speak. To, I, I, so I immigrated when I was seven. And my Chinese wasn't that good because I had just started grade one. And I didn't, I just started learning how to read and write. And then my English was non-existent. And then being plopped in Canada, I had to work on only working on my English. And I had no real area to learn or to improve my Chinese. So at one point, I really felt like I didn't know either languages. It was very, very hard to express myself. And what was really crazy is that something as simple as in Asia, when you are the top student of the class, you're also the most popular student. Mm. You know, in North America, when you're the top student in the class, a lot of times you're kind of the nerd that people want to pick on. And Mm. so these social dynamics, these ways of operating in in society were so different that I really found myself overthinking because my let's say Christian community operated very similarly to the Asian community that I grew up in, but my school and my other social life or whatnot operated very differently. And I knew how to excel in one, but I didn't know how to excel in the other. And it was very, it it was very painful to me to not, it was very painful, I should say, to my people pleasing side of overly wanting to have the approval of other people side of me it was very painful because I hadn't learned boundaries and being who I am and and how important that was. Yeah. Yeah. Overthinking. I, I remember one time I sat with something for, for far too long, but then I missed out on something else because I was so busy thinking about how that was going to go that I didn't even go and I missed out. Oh, and that was like such a, it was an aha moment also we're like, wow, I don't even get to tell the story tomorrow of the story I was telling in my head coming true or not, because I didn't even go. Yeah. Okay. So then can you tell us maybe the moment or moments where you were able to kind of like what you just shared, where you were able to be like, okay, overthinking is actually a disservice to myself. I need to figure out another, I need to figure out how to reduce this in my life when it started to impact my uh, graduate school. So yeah, I, I was identified as an A student 4.0 kind of person in my undergrad. And so I knew I was bringing that into my graduate program, but there were moments when, and it would be what seems irrational to others was very rational to me in the moment. Like I can't go to class because my nails were painted, but chipped. So I can't go to class until I redo my nails Mm. or I can't go to class. um, I can't say anything in class because it won't sound as intelligent as some of the others in the classroom. And I was really missing out on just absorbing and being present in Mm. an experience that was really unique. It was a very small college, but it was very hands-on and there was no judgment coming at me. I was anticipating it. I was waiting for it because it was that oh. imposter syndrome. Also, I don't belong in graduate school. Who am I? Oh. So just overthinking all those moves and then realizing, oh my gosh, I don't have to, I don't have to, I'm doing this thing. And I think um, the exercise that would, that I think really did it for me that I think we could all do this for ourselves is that we went around the class, 
the cohort and everybody wrote something about each other. So there was like this particular day, there were like 30 of us. So I have 30 slips of paper still that say something that someone else thinks of me. And they're all positive. Oh. And they're all from a genuine place. And I thought, okay, maybe I need to write some slips of paper for myself or maybe just only read those, not think of the ones that have been said in the past or things like that. Mm. It's so funny because I never considered myself an egotistical guy because I'm so others oriented. But I, I listened to something recently where somebody basically said, or the, the speaker of this podcast basically said, overthinking is highly egotistical. Like, I think I'm such a big deal that I got to think about all of these things because of what other people are going to think of me because I'm such a big deal. And I was like, oh, damn. I'm way more egotistical than I thought I really was. And it caught me there. And that made such a profound difference. Um, So I love that you share that story because really you were one in 30. So you, in one sense, weren't really that important. Everybody else was thinking about all the other slips that they had to write. You were just one in 30 that they had to think about. And sometimes I just feel like the world is over because of whatever small detail that is going to be there. But people really couldn't care less sometimes, unfortunately, mm-hmm. about our little details. Yeah. Like you're talking to the guy who's kind of like, if I don't have the right pocket square in my blazer, like, like or if I don't <laughs> wear a pocket square, my, my day is ruined. Like I can't go on. I can't be seen in public. Yeah. Um, so I totally get it. For me, there was an element of I somehow miraculously had several jobs in a row where one person just one person in my team or whatever it was didn't like me and I could not do a single thing about it and I tried so hard but they just did not like me for one reason or another Uh and I remember the very very first one it was working in luxury retail and one of my colleagues really didn't like me because I I was I was new to luxury retail, I felt like I had something to prove to, to show the person who hired me that I deserved to be there. So I took the job very seriously. And mm. that person didn't. So I looked like and I looked like a tryhard, basically. And that mm. made that person really not like me. And then the job right after that, it was I, I was working in a professional environment, and I was new. And to the team, the person who was the second newest, worked her way up from an administrative assistant to a recruiter. And Mm -hmm. I came in and just kind of a little bit blew it out of the water. And she felt very intimidated by me because I came from the luxury world and I understood how to be client facing and I was very high functioning. And she also happened to be somebody that we found out later was sleeping with the director of the department. And so I lost my a renewal of my contract that way Mm. and I just kind of learned that the life lesson of like wow I could try to overthink everything and try to control everything by the end of the day certain things outside of my control and I can never make sure that everybody likes me why why care so much about that yeah yeah wow and it reminds me of I, I read a story once uh Chuck Swindoll wrote about a peculiar person in your life. We're all given a peculiar person. And I think the people pleaser in me 
when those peculiar people came in, I was like, they're going to like me. I'm going <laughs> to make them like me. It's going to be awesome. And they're like, yeah, I don't need to like you. I'm like, huh. now I can go. I'm okay. If you don't like me. Cause I have other friends and I'm okay, but it takes work and it takes constant mindful attention to why am I overthinking in this moment? And yes, egotistical. And, and yes, I think I realized I was being unkind to others by deciding for them in my storytelling, how they felt mm. or deciding for them that I was going to overreach my, my thought process into any event or relationship. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause mine was the opposite. I really did not love myself. So mm. my overthinking was me anticipating them reasons why other people would also not like me because I had mm-hmm. so many reasons to not like myself. And yeah. it really got to a point. I remember, I think listening to my very first TED talk, I was listening to, I think it was Brene Brown's, you know, the power of vulnerability or something like that. And she basically says the reason why we are harsh to other people is because we're harsh to ourselves. Yeah. I was like, damn, how true is that? And I realized at that point how little I loved myself. And all of my overthinking was just trying to cover all the things that I didn't like about myself and present myself in a way that other people would like me. And it really took a lot of self-work and me being comfortable in my own skin and me loving myself to be able to reduce the amount of overthinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where that imposter syndrome for me came from. I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it as well as that person over there. Oh, they had a really smart thing to say to the professor and yeah. Yeah, it does. And that that's that, but it's also egocentric to dislike ourselves. Yes. Yeah. It's so yeah. ironic. Yep. Wow. So, and, and, and I think it's, it's a, I think it's something you, you learn and you, you redo, but it could come in as a default sometimes out of nowhere. And, mm. and I, when I find myself overthinking, I check in and I go, okay, what do I need right now? Have I rested? Have I hydrated? Have I neutrified? What's missing? What's setting off that alarm system telling me to overthink? Interesting. And so it's almost kind of like overthinking is a symptom for us to realize that we're not in an ideal condition and therefore we need to take care of ourselves in different ways Yeah. because then that, then the overthinking wouldn't happen if we were to Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. So then to all the people, sorry, go ahead. No, our brain's amazing, but it's annoying too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. Well, I feel like nothing. I mean, also one of the things that I, I remember having, I have this mentor, I haven't checked in with him in a while, but I was in university at that time. And he basically, I, I, I feel very, very lucky because I've had just these really random mentors in my life. And this one, said to me, John, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm like, okay, what is it? He was like, your greatest, your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. And I'm like, what? And then I started to realize that, wow, things are not what they seem in any sense. And I need to just be able to like chill and like, let, let it go and not focus so much on it because the thing that will cause people to like me the most will also be the thing that will cause people to dislike me the most. Interesting. And, um, and being able to be in, in that space 
and realize that I'm okay with that. That is huge. So then for you just kind of gave some really great suggestions of practical things that people can do when they're finding or when you found yourself overthinking for all the listeners right now who is in situations where they can feel it in their body when the overthinking is coming what would you really advise them practically to do? I think ask the question, is this true, right? So if I'm saying someone doesn't like me and I ask, is it true? Well, how am I going to find out if it's true? Do I go up and say, you know, write the note like in grade school with the, do you like me? Yes or no, check the box. <laughs> or, or do I even need to know if it's true or not? Like how, how necessary is this in my space? If someone does or doesn't like me, if I've done something well enough or not, how important is that? So things like, did I put enough air in my tire? Yeah. You want to do that. Well, you want to mm. find out that you did that well, but things like, did I wear the right outfit or, or am I going to get that next raise or promotion? And, and I think just checking in with yourself and also that alarm system, why am I overthinking? What am I worried about? What am I trying to have control over? Mm. What do I have control over? Yeah. And, and it just, just occurred to me to ask you this question because we have a professional in the room. What can you tell us the difference between overthinking and being introspective? Mm, okay. So I, for me, introspective is I'm thinking about my thinking in a way that says, reflect, take this time and go, I did say this to someone and it hurt their feelings. Where did that come from? Where was I when I said that, where, did, where in me brought that out? And do I want that? Do I want to be that way or, or whatever it is? And um, so introspective is, feels appropriate, if that makes sense. Yes. Right. Cause it yeah. makes us pay attention and it makes us possibly change or go and do that apology or, or whatever, but the best apology is change, mm. change what we think and feel and do, but um, I'm not sure if that answered your question, but. Oh, very much so. And I think appropriate was a great word to use because I find overthinking so inappropriate and unhelpful, mm. but I find being introspective, very helpful and very appropriate. And so I wasn't quite too sure where the line was. So thank yeah. you for, for sharing that. Yeah. Well, overthinking is a one-way street, right? It's just a waterfall of, I have this thought and the next thought and the next an introspective is I have this thought, let me circle around to that thought. Let me circle back to this thing, to that, right? It's not linear. Mm, that's so neat. That's so cool. Um, for anybody who is listening right now, who wants to either get a hold of you because they can tell that you're brilliant or they want to ask you questions or whatnot, where can people find you? I'm not sure whether you're restricted to practice in a certain area so feel free to share whatever way people can get a hold of you. Yeah, you can DM me on Instagram on, on the um, let's do the daily differently and I can send you resources. I, I officially am licensed in the state where I live. So if somebody called from another state, I, you know, and I'm, I'm more likely than not, I'm not going to become someone's therapist after a DM, but I certainly can point you in the right direction for where you're from to say, Hey, check out this website or check out this. And, and all these podcasts that you're listening to, whatever you're getting from them means you're ready to get something from them. So mm. I totally encourage people to reach out and find space just to talk about the things that are hard because 
life is challenging. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, when you're listening to this, today is December the 19th. And Heather also launched her podcast recently, which is also called Let's Do the Daily Differently. So go mm-hmm. find her on Spotify and check out what she has to say there. And more will be released, of course. But um, I would highly encourage you find her, follow her, really be able to get these nuggets of wisdom that she drops constantly because uh, conversations are just so good. And she does it really from a place of genuine place of wanting to help. And I know I get a lot of value from that. So thank you for joining us today on this very important conversation that I don't think I would have been able to have on my own. So I'm so grateful for you. I appreciate it. It's a gift to be in your space doing this this thing with you. And I, I am always honored to hear your perspective on things. And I love that your, your podcast is about perspective. And I think, I think, um, it's not an accident that we met. So I appreciate you. (laughs) Yes. And sometimes more or more times than not having different perspectives is so healthy. And so Mm. we're not just sitting here talking about the exact same perspective, but being able to be enlightened, at least for me, I feel like the things that you shared really brought into light a lot of things. And I'm like, damn, I never saw it that way before. I'm so glad that I do now. So we'll definitely, next time I have a really, really hard topic, I'll have to have you come back (laughs) and talk about it again. Thank you, Heather. Always. Thank you. Take care. Postscript. Wow. I mean, there are so many things in there that really just convicted me because of now a deeper understanding of why I overthink and why it was so important to me before to overthink because of the protectiveness that I needed to have over myself or my desire to control things. And really, I, as a Christian, I want to just read four verses to you as a Christian, to another Christian, <laughs> because these are verses that could pierce our heart and reframe us into a really healthy perspective. The first one is Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. Wow. And then last one, of course, Psalms 46, 10a, be still and know that I am God. And I really feel like there are so many verses that really tell us what is really going on, which is God is in control. And we either really believe it and we believe it down to the core of who we are. And therefore, our desire or temptation to overthink is eliminated because we know that God is in charge or we think that we're in charge. And so by overthinking, we are able then to prevent us from future harm or to prepare us to get whatever it is that we want. And how unfortunate is that kind of mindset? And I really have to say, I think about that all the time. How many times did I get a job and I said, wow, that was all me. And that was my interviewing preparation. That was me showing up uh, with my past. Or how many times do things happen to me 
And then I'm like, wow, that was so unnecessary. Why did that have to happen? And in reality, I am not living a life of somebody who is really putting God on the throne, really submitting to God as the one who is in control. And this is where it becomes really interesting. I watch children a lot at the church and with my friends. And if you really observe children, they are able to be so simple. They don't have to worry about what they're going to eat or what clothes they're going to wear or what they're going to do the next day. There is a certain level of a lack of need for control for the most part because there is a trust that their parents have things figured out. And so there is a beautiful dependency that is there that allows then that child to be able to operate at a level of just enjoying the moment of realizing that things are going to be more than okay. And then, of course, as we get older, we learn independence, as we should. As adults, we don't, we, we, in so many ways, it would be very, very unhealthy for us to still be fully dependent on other people if we were adults. And so the issue, though, is that we develop this independence. And at the same time, we lost or got rid of our dependence. And this is where it becomes really, really tricky. How many times did Jesus bless children? Really say that if you want to really get into the kingdom of the heavens, you have to be like a little child. And that is not just because they're simple, but because they operate in a level of dependency and they're okay with that. And so how do we then as full functioning adults in society have this independence and the ability to really carry out our life in a very healthy way, and then also maintain or remain, no, maintain, <laughs> maintain the, or keep the dependence that we would have on God. It's like we are doing both things at the same time. There is our human life that we have, and then there's a spiritual life that we have, and we may be growing up, maturing in our human life, and becoming more wise in our spiritual life. But that dependence as a child, really seeing ourselves as a child of God, that if we are able to have that remain, oh, our life would be so different. Our ability to enjoy what's going on right now or not be stressed out about what's going on right now or not to be too worried about what our next job is coming or when we're going to next meet our, our partner or what is going on with our kids or when are we going to finally buy a house. All these things will not be in a place of us being tempted to overthink because we really believe that God has the best in store for us at the right moment. So that also means God does not allow us to have certain things sometimes. That means that God has the best in store for us. And not giving us what we want, kind of like we talked about last week, is such a healthy thing. And so as Christians here today, I'd really like to encourage you, reset your perspective of who God is in your life. If God is really God, if God is the one that is on the throne, then that means that we operate or we are in relationship with him with a certain posture. We are not like Abraham where God promised us something and then we go and we try to do it ourselves because we don't think God is going to be able to pull it off. But instead, we learn how to be in relationship with God, not just wait without doing anything passively. No, 
wait very actively, communicate with God, tell God that you are tired of waiting, tell God that you're anxious, tell God that you're overthinking, and really develop that deeper relationship with him so that when push comes to shove, we really are in a place where our foundation is so solid. I'm so excited to keep talking to you all about other aspects that get us stuck. And I really pray that there is the ability to, for you to have endurance based off of the encouragement from this podcast. As always, my Instagram is the John Collective. Feel free to reach out to me. I would love to find out where you will see this podcast being very valuable to you. What are the topics that you would really like to see covered? Message me if you have any thoughts about what was talked about today. I'd love to have a discussion with you. But until then, I pray that you are able to be somebody that continues to encourage your community because a rising tide lifts all boats.